Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Welcome. Welcome to the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. It's called that because I'm Sam Roberts and I talk about wrestling here on the podcast. What a show. What a show. First of all, how great were the Miz and Summer Ray last week? I'm going to, I guess I'll announce on Twitter because I forgot to go through the tweets again before I started the podcast, but I'll announce on Twitter who won the hashtag Summer is Funny game uh, and gets a signed copy of the Marine 4. One copy. And I'm going to give it to somebody. I got a lot, a lot planned for you today. A lot going on today. Uh, Katie Linendahl is going to join me on the state of wrestling. That's happening. I promise you it's happening this week. I was flattered and excited by how many of you were complaining last week that there was no state of wrestling. Because I figured if I've got wrestlers talking to me for a full hour, that's better than wrestlers talking to me for like a half hour and then me flapping my gums for a half hour. But everybody was like, Sam Roberts. It's called Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. We want to know what's going on in the wrestling brain of primetime Sam Roberts. So today, tonight, whatever time you're listening to this, You'll find out exactly what's going on. We've got a lot to talk about in the state of wrestling. A lot going on with the WWE Network, as a matter of fact. And, of course, we'll talk about Extreme Rules and what I thought and uh, what Katie thought uh, coming out of that. But first, I don't know. I hope you guys all get a chance to see this movie. I hope somebody distributes it because there's a movie called Body Slam Revenge of the Banana. And it's about a, a semi-pro wrestling group called... Seattle semi-pro and it's I mean it's a wrestling show but it's a bunch of like punk rock dudes and they perform these wrestling shows at a bar on stage they don't even have a ring they just go up on stage and they create these ridiculous characters one being the banana uh and 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 they put on these shows and they always have they looked in the documentary anyway like they had a full crowd most of the time but um it's a really, really cool doc. It's not just about wrestling. It's about these guys. Like All the guys that are associated with Seattle Semi-Pro have crazy stories. Some of them were homeless. Some of them have completely dead families. So it's all over the place. Um, but it's basically about the banana trying to get this company shut down because he didn't like that he was having his banana character taken away. It's the weirdest thing in the world. But I would recommend everybody see it when they get a chance. Uh, it, was, it premiered at Tribeca here in New York. And I had a chance to talk to the filmmakers as well as two characters in the movie, two mainstays in Seattle semi-pro. And that, of course, is uh, 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 Van Glam. It's like Van Damme, except he's a, a, a burlesque, a male burlesque dancer. Van Glam. And, of course, perennial favorite, Ronald McFondle, who's a clown who likes to fondle people. His, his finishing move is an anal fisting. So that's that's the type of of of, of character that Ronald McFondle is. Ronald McFondle is. Uh, it was hard enough to get Ronald McFondle into the studio because apparently they don't allow clown makeup in the studio. I, I requested that the gentlemen come in costume, in gimmick, as it were. So it'll make a good video. But here they are, the guys from the documentary uh, "Body Slam: Revenge of the Banana" on the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. The stars of uh, Seattle Semi-Pro Wrestling, 
yeah. are SSP. here. Yes, and stars of this new movie. It's called Body Slam Revenge of the Banana, as well as the filmmakers. Are all here? How's it going, everybody? What's the haps? Good. It's, good. Yeah. Pass it's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you guys are the filmmakers. Strict wanna... No clown policy. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> you guys want to introduce yourselves first? Sure. Uh, Ryan Harvey. Ryan Harvey. John Paul Horseman. And and Body Slam Revenge of the Banana. Is this your idea, or did you guys come to the filmmakers and say we got a movie here? Uh, they came to us. Yeah. So did you guys hear about this story? Yeah, we went to uh, college with the second banana, and he. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a second banana. There's a second right. banana. Yeah. Well, the story. Ba- the story. Okay, so Seattle Semi Pro is this, I guess, wrestling organization, but it's more of like a just a really, show. It's adult comedy mm. theater. Yeah. With wrestling fight cabaret. As, uh, yeah, fight cabarets. <laughs> fight cabaret is uh, the coin, the term we coined for it. <laughs> right. Well, Vince can have sports entertainment. You guys can have fight cabaret. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's. Uh, I mean, it's basically it's a. Kind of a wrestling show, but you have these like crazy outlandish characters. It's obviously completely adult themed. It's in a bar. Yeah, a lot of drinking. Stage, not a ring. Yeah, and, and you you're wrestling on stage. Play mats as yeah. opposed to in a <laughs> ring. And the the whole funny names. Yeah, everybody's got ridiculous names. I'll talk about your guys' names and characters in a minute. But uh, the whole premise of the movie revolves around this guy, the banana, who uh, turned out to not enjoy, didn't enjoy being the banana. And so not only he got – you guys wanted to take the character away from him. He left the organization then tried to get the whole thing shut down. And it's this amazing story. When you guys – so you, you went to college with the second banana who was brought in to do the job of the first banana, which was comic relief. <laughs> Correct. Yes. <laughs> See, I told you I saw the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the second banana uh, told me about you know the story of him joining this troupe and then – uh, I became obsessed with them, and I told John Paul, and we both became obsessed and decided to make a movie. And then, uh, you know, the stuff happened with the banana and the second banana, and we met these characters and these guys and discovered that there's, like, a real movie here. And they just happened to wrestle. Right. Yeah, because I was going to yeah. say, like, did you understand uh, – because to me, it's not even really about the wrestling. It's about you guys all – you spend a lot of time getting to know each kind of main player and, like, the stories, the backstories on all you guys – are incredible from like how did you get to Seattle how did you end up you know in this wrestling group the, the you know being homeless being this going through going through everything that all these guys have gone through did you guys know that going in or was no, it just like wow no, there's we, the we were story. just like this is amazing and they're so they were so interesting because they wrestle and they have all these gimmicks but then that we could instantly tell that there's all this love going on guys hugging backstage yeah and all these interesting stories every minute we were there and we, so we did this, like, this round of interviews, and we, we discovered all this stuff about their backstories, and we were like, wow, they are the story. You know? yeah. 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 We're, we're the uh, most shallow, in-depth people you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it is. Like, like, on one moment, you're going, you know, you're going through all the hardships you've had to go through, and everybody's talking about the brotherhood that exists there, and then you flash forward to what the brotherhood is doing, and it's yeah. like fisting each other. And, <laughs> yeah. That's and, love. Yeah, that is love. <laughs> Uh, were you guys wrestling fans? So growing up, you know, I loved, the, the, you know, Macho Man was my guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that sort of, it took me back. Like, getting more involved with this movie really got me really into wrestling again. <laughs> we got uh, the WWE, like, um, they were telling us about Raw, so we would start watching it. And, like, with Seth Rollins and all that stuff with, like, feuding with Jon Stewart. It's, like, yeah. hilarious. But it's, like, it's, for me, like, growing up, wrestling was really fun. And like but but you couldn't have been aware since you were just sort of watching the mainstream stuff on TV that there was there's this whole subculture 
that goes on of, of stuff that doesn't even resemble what's on TV. Yeah, I had no idea. And coming up into Seattle and shooting these guys, and that's that's where I've learned a lot. I've learned I've learned terms. I use jobber in my daily life now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going home, going like, yeah, I don't know, they just won't put me over at work. I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, here in studio with us are, are stars, superstars, as it were, uh, Eddie Van Glam, of course, and uh, Ronald McFondle, right. who uh, controversy follows you wherever you go. You couldn't even get Seems in the building. To- <laughs> we found out today because we do this up at the studios. We found out today up at the radio studios that. Uh, there is a strict no clown makeup policy <laughs> yeah. yes. in this building. They were very serious they about that. They could not that. verify my picture ID. Yeah, and they were not kidding they around. Were not kidding. <laughs> we were trying to make jokes down there and make light of it. And, he's and like, they were no. just like, mm-mm. So, <laughs> like, didn't even crack a smile. <laughs> he, he turned to us and he was like, sir, this you, is serious. Yeah, are you like, making would they a let you on an airplane like, like this? No. <laughs> would they let you on an airplane like this? I'm like, okay. Let's. <laughs> so like, well, finally, they just escorted me to a bathroom downstairs and I had to wash it off. They escorted you. I have a photo. There's an armed security guard watching him take Oh, my God. And like the funniest it, part is, is this guy comes out of the bathroom, like flushes the toilet, and just like. <laughs> I got this. I got the security card break on. I was like, just another day in the life of a clown, and then yeah. he finally broke. And started laughing. <laughs> they realized that in nine eleven, the reason you can't go on planes like that is because they flew planes into buildings. They didn't take yeah, right. the buildings and put them into pl- like. What were you going to do <laughs> yeah. in the building? He wasn't yeah. going to shocker the captain. I, yeah. Yeah. I don't understand. And and. The whole thing that you show up at, if, if whatever nefarious plan that you had, yeah, showing foiled, up like a, 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 a <laughs> kind of pedophile Ronald McDonald dunk off, but not exactly. Yeah. The Makes most me glad I kept my pants on. Yeah. <laughs> my whole shtick is I'm a burlesque performer, so like boylesque. I can, I can, I can, I, yeah, I'm a boy. in with this testicle. I, I, I can, I can have seriously just came in here with my tearaway pants and been like, boom, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so we have a strict wear pants policy. Yeah. So when you guys, well, I mean, first of all, congrats on getting in the building. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that's, 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 that's a victory in itself. Yeah, that's the huge victory. <laughs> so uh, movies, whatever the building, that's the key. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully this movie will be successful enough that people will know. Yeah. Well, no, that's not just Next any clown. That's Ronald yeah. McFondle. You know who this is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so are you guys, when you guys as as performers? found out that there was interest in making a movie out of this what did you first think um we we were just open to it because luke was friends of theirs and he's like these guys it started off with like these guys are just gonna come shoot and we didn't know if it'd just be like they were thinking maybe just a little short thing we thought it was gonna be more on our on our shows not this whole backstory and all that stuff that came out of it right at the very least you got footage yeah yeah, at the least well yeah and our shows are so diy like you know we charge eight bucks at the door and we just all the money goes to postering and costume and stuff. So, so yeah, like, we, we have no, we have a shoestring budget. Yeah, so. we don't, we don't make any money. So, I mean, if so, anybody's like, "Hey, I want to take photos of your show," or "I want to like shoot footage," was like, "Dude, as long as we can get a copy, that'd be great." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're like, "Hey, we want to come shoot." We're like. Yep. As long as we can get a copy, let's you got go. HD let's, cameras. Cool. I don't think we ever yeah. gave you copies. No, you didn't. No, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're actually still waiting on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys have seen the movie now. Yeah. What did you think? What do you think of the movie? Because you were both, and I, everybody in your organization was super not only open to showing the wrestling side, but super, I mean, vulnerable about you as people. I mean, Ronald McFonnell, we actually met Josh yeah. <laughs> a little bit, and you were going on about, you know, being homeless and moving to Seattle and almost getting robbed and all this stuff. Um, 
how did you feel about being so open, both of you, on on camera? I'm I'm a lot more shy when I'm Josh. So at first the interviews, I mean I was totally open to it, but it was just kind of hard for me at first. But the more that I got to know these guys and we developed a bond, then I it was cool to open up and stuff. And when you see it, and you know, kind of the realization sets in, like, well, this is out there now. This is for whoever wants to be aware of it. Yeah, is that a weird thing? Um, kind of, but I mean, I do have my showman side, so I'm like, I want the attention, but then I get weird about it. Right. <laughs> right. That's, well, that's why you show up to the in, in, in clown makeup. Yeah, yeah, that's why I came here in clown makeup. So, I, but I'm learning to open up more without the makeup. So yeah. <laughs> what about you? I mean, were you kind of ready for that level of exposure? Um, no, not really. Uh, it was because, uh, like, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to know. I didn't really know what they were looking for. And it was just one of those things where we were talking, and then, like, it just came to the point where, you know, they were asking me about stuff, and, it like, I couldn't ignore uh, part of my past where, like, you know, my grandmother passed away from breast cancer in August, and then the week of, like, her funeral, my grandfather died, and then six months later, my mom died, and my entire family in Seattle died. Right. You know? And, like, I never – and, yeah, that that's, that's a lot to take in. Like, I never really had a chance to grieve until my mom passed. So, like, for me, I never wanted there to be, like, any, like, oh, poor me. Right. That sort of thing. So it's just, like, it happened. Like, it's been 10 years. I You know, not that I've moved past it. I, I, I've made peace with it. Right. But, uh, you know, it's like I didn't I didn't want to be, like, you know, the, the victim at any point. So, like, I tried to keep that away. And then finally, like, I opened up about it. And they were just, like... And look at you now. So Right. And it also adds a whole other element to the idea of this wrestling group being a brotherhood. Yeah. When you're talking about, you know, leaving your home and you're talking about all your family dying and it's like this is what we have now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why it actually matters that, you know, this evil banana is trying to take <laughs> it away from you. Yeah. Were you surprised? Uh Paul is the name of the guy, right? Who yeah. plays the original banana. Yeah. The first banana. The first banana. Yes. <laughs> or you can call him the big banana or just the banana. The <laughs> banana. Yeah. Were you guys as filmmakers, I guess? I, I would imagine that would be the first hurdle is trying to get this guy to participate knowing that he's gonna he's the villain of this <clears throat> thing. Yeah. He, he I, I just emailed him and he was very open and you know he was very open to doing it, which we can't thank him enough for you know being participant because he could have just said no and then yeah. there would have been a problem. It was actually really, really brave of him. Um, he, he he likes being the bad guy. I mean, that's yeah. that's, that's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But he, he revels. <laughs> much in a similar way to Bill, like he opened up. It took about almost two years, but one day just we were in the middle of filming and he just turned to us on the way up the stairs and just opened up about his past mm-hmm. and, his, right. and the terrible things that had happened to him. Yeah. It only um, took yeah, me six hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of paps. Yeah. And he was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they bought me lunch and I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a good job of, and I wonder how you guys feel about the way the whole thing turned out because I feel like as filmmakers you did a good job of not necessarily just painting him as a villain because there's so much sympathy built in for this banana mm-hmm. at the beginning because you're kind of explaining all the shit that he had to go through with his you know addict mom and 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 mm-hmm. everything that this guy dealt with um when you guys saw that as guys because I've worked with guys that I can't stand mm-hmm. but the audience doesn't really see it because they don't work with him every single day. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what struck me because as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, why are these guys being such assholes to the banana? The crowd seems to be into him. But when I realized that everybody in the organization was like, no, this guy Paul's a problem. He's an asshole. 
It's like there's got to be something there. It wasn't even that he was an asshole until he walked off and ratted us out. It was just that he was so quiet, and we're all such a brotherhood and a bond and social people. Mm -hmm. And then he would just be the awkward guy in the corner. And I didn't know any of this stuff about his past. And it it explains a lot about his motivation and why he had such a hard time becoming part of the crew yeah but he was just he really said like yes and no to us and that was it like, yeah he did it, not they just found all this out yeah, we, we, fa- we found out really we found, we found so out the same time you did we, i didn't know wow we didn't, didn't tell them anything about the other side yeah. no, no, yeah, we never we never told any of the what new subjects yeah, what, we, we what found out happening. when we watched the movie for the first time we yeah. found out about paul's past then so what did you think when you find out about this guy's past are you like oh jesus well it explains a lot did you feel guilty at all no, because I was never really that mean to him back then. We uh-huh. just were like, "You're playing." We, we, banana's supposed to be funny. Like that, that was the whole problem. Well, so we weren't really dicks to him. We were just like, and he hated the banana suit. And then when we wanted to take away, he was like, "Cling to it." Well, because he had created all the banana at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, there, no, I don't. Yeah, there, when, I don't think we were really mean to him at all. We were just like, "You're not doing this role right," but well, you put in all your work and practice. So let's just give you a, a heel role to play and be a heel. And Josh right. likes to bust balls on guys mm-hmm. that he likes, and you know, if I'm not giving you shit, I don't like you. I'm Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can see throughout the movie that he keeps slapping me. That was his, that was his way of showing affection. <laughs> Maybe that's he why security, security wouldn't let you in. They loved you. Like, oh, no clown makeup upstairs. Um, so why didn't you? Because I was watching it, going like, why couldn't he just be a heel banana? It just the, the crowd was so he was he well, wasn't he, getting good heat. He was getting crickets. Oh, because it struck me when I was watching. You know, I watched the movie. I never went to the shows, but it struck me as, oh no, they hate the banana, but that's okay. He's a heel. Um, yeah, well, and we wanted it to be a goofier character. We were doing a few all ages like roller derby stuff, like matches and stuff. We and we couldn't have McFondle go out there for the kids, right? So we were like, <laughs> banana was supposed to be the goofy character to go out there and like do our more all ages shows and PG rated goofy. Fa- or like fake, gotcha. You know? And instead, and he, he would have been a great heel if he would have just like. He says in the movie he always wanted to be the heel with the cheap shades and the shitty blazer. He could have been that if he would have just let us take the banana and give it to Luke, and then he could have been that. Yeah. Well, didn't you? Didn't you actually want to turn him heel? Like put start putting like brown spots on him, well, like we he wanted, was going back. We had this whole thing. If, you, if he wouldn't have walked out, we had this whole thing, the, the classic tag team breakup, where after, eventually Paul was going to start getting pissed off at the you know, second banana, which we didn't realize he hated in real life. And he was going <laughs> to slowly. Was, we, got, we were going to get some brown spray paint and start slowly turning his costume brown, and he was going to turn bad. Right, that's and that's great. Bad. And then he turned like eventually he turned into that, and then second banana would would beat him and throw banana bread out to the audience, and then he'd be able to move on to another character. That's perfect. That's what we were going to. Yes, he would have been amazing, but you he did, just doesn't you did get. Do the banana he bread. doesn't get. Yeah. He legitimately. <laughs> He end, still yeah. talks breaks about being undefeated and stuff. It's like, dude, that's Show. because I write the script. <laughs> <laughs> you do, you do know that we script the show, right? Yeah, Paul? I mean, yeah. I've seen you practicing the finish to your match next week all day long. <laughs> yeah. There was a the thing. I guess you can't have. If you're doing an all-ages show, you can't have a banana that curb stomps. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's and thing. punch people in the crotch. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. So, do you still run SSP? Um, we do d- different. Tra- it's three to one battle now. Okay. And they do. We do. Uh, f- I'm not even part of it right now. I'm taking a break because I'm working with the Department of Licensing. We're co-authoring a bill to change the Washington State wrestling laws. Well, that so was. A- I've stepped away because I just don't want to. Like I'm focusing on that in my lighting career. I've been. I work at. I do light. Like in the movie, I'm doing an internship for lights. Now I work at every club in Seattle, and like it's a full time job. Great. So since he walked away, I stepped in. So he's been running three to one battle, and uh, we do. A, if you don't charge a cover charge, you can put on shows. 
So, so you, like, you don't have to follow regulation. <laughs> huh. So, so you just are well, like, well, I'm, we just won't make, we'll literally make no money. Yeah. But, yeah. but we can but do whatever we want. And we love, yeah. like, we just love performing. Yeah. But so in the meantime, while I'm changing the laws, we're, you know, keeping our head afloat or like head above water by just doing these free shows once a month and keeping our fans happy and getting our itch to get out there and be lunatics. And it's still kind of that <laughs> same show. We have a ring now in a gym and stuff. Whoa, so like, and, we, yeah. and we are all legitimately trained. And like, we're, like, we're, so it's know, like a, it's more of a wrestling start, show. It's more of a wrestling show, but it's still ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually had a match this past Saturday where um, I was the champion, uh, a heel going into it. And uh, my opponent, I actually beat him in the match. And everybody yeah. was like shocked because they expected to him to win. At which point, um, all of a sudden, shares if I could turn back time, started playing, uh-huh. and we went in reverse to the point just before I cheated. <laughs> at which point, circumstances changed, and I lost. <laughs> so. That's that's what you need more in like like more I, share and more yeah. I called it shareography. <laughs> I was going to say more comfort and suspension of disbelief, but maybe it's just share. Oh, we, 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 we just took the suspension of b- disbelief and kicked it like a football. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like you want to suspend it. Watch this. So, if, if you ever tried to pull off a legit just wrestling show in the traditional sense, would your fans be like, "This is not what we came to see"? We don't want to be a typical indie. Right. We want to we 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 want to be do, have more athleticism and have a ring and like we're having a lot of fun with that. Yeah. But we don't want to lose the sh- the comedy shtick. But I mean that's a lot more popular with Chikara and Kaiju and yeah. There's like in 2003 when we started doing this, we didn't know there was other shit out there. But now I mean comedy weird wrestling stuff is. Do you ever look at them of- going? Well, they're making at least some money. We should try to. It's Washington state laws don't allow us to. So yeah. now I'm working with the Department of Licensing to fix that. Yeah. They're so draconian that you you can't. They on money. paper still think wrestling is real. Yeah. They wow. They treat us like MMA and boxing. Like well, that's I mean that's a great. In New York doesn't MMA is illegal in this state. Yeah, it's the same thing, but with pro wrestling. But it's not illegal. It's just there's so much regulation. It's almost yeah. impossible to put on a show. Like of right. all the promoter licenses in Washington state, I think there's like there there's was only, there, there was 50 of them, and there's only one now. There's only Vince. one active one, and it's Vince's guy. Yeah. Because yeah, he's wow. the only one who can afford it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, TNAs can't even do it. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like, they let theirs expire in Seattle because it's just... It's too expensive. It's yeah. not worth yeah. it. We're not worth they, the they, trouble. They and then on top of the tax at the door, the standard 7% ticket tax or whatever, they charge a dollar per ticket there for some reason. Yeah. But we're working on changing that, too. So, so I will actually save Vince, like, $30,000 a year. if you want to give me a box seat to every show in you haven't heard anything from anybody in WWE about this, have you? We talked to their license, the guy that has the promoter's license in Washington State a uh-huh. little bit on the phone. And he, he was just like, yeah, this is cool if you need any help or whatever. But we're trying to kind of, you know, just do it ourselves, the underdog grassroots thing. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Department of Licensing is totally working with us and being really cool. So we don't need to, like, bring in the heavy hitters or anything. <laughs> and but, this, but we did see Ryback beat up a banana last night. So yeah, did you see <laughs> that? If you, th- if you think we didn't see that, we saw that. We saw that. Yeah. But at yeah. the same time, we didn't we like know the banana watching. either. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do wonder as this movie picks up, you know, buzz and stuff like that. It's in Tribeca, obviously, right now. If if WWE is going to kind of pay attention to it, because you'd think that any... I'm sure they'll watch it. I don't know if they'll... You know, with the PG product, yeah, I, don't, that's I the... don't think they'll acknowledge it. Uh-huh. I'm sure they'll, like, check it out. Yeah, you know? you probably get somebody yeah, on I just the... think McFondle versus Seth Rollins, WrestleMania 32. <laughs> Could happen. <Sounds> yeah. <laughs> McFondle. <laughs> I'm glad you still have the suit. 
Yeah. Even though you don't perform as Mick Fondle anymore. Well, I do other stuff. I have a rap album out, and I do drag shows. Like, my friends are drag queens. They do drag shows. I'm, like, the male love interest in a lot of drag shows. <laughs> as Mick Fondle. Yeah, as Mick Fondle. Of course. And then, like, I do, <laughs> side, like, parties. carnival games. I'm in a freak show. I lay on bed of nails and get cinder blocks smashed all over me with sledgehammers. <laughs> I'm... McFondle's more not just a wrestler. He's an entertainer. It's a, yeah, I just, I do all kinds of different shit. So is that something that you've just always been, and are you just uh, strictly a pro wrestler now, or do you also? I I do a little bit of everything as well. Uh, I'm actually a burlesque performer. Uh They call it, because I'm male, they call it boylesque. And there's a boylesque scene at the during the credits. Yeah, of the that, movie. That, yeah. There's, that was, yeah. yeah, and there's also a point where uh, I show my ass in, in the middle of the movie. I'm yeah. like a red thong. Um, <laughs> I actually have a uh, tribute act. Well, I call it a tribute act. Sure. Uh, it's Macho Man Randy Savage. And I swing a Slim Jim on my uh, penis. Uh, oh, wow. At the end of it, it I call it a testicle. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, yeah, uh, I'll actually be performing that in New York later uh, in on May 3rd. So, <laughs> and I mean, that because of stuff like that, He'll never really die. He'll live forever. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Macho Man, like total. Like you look at him with like like the sequins and the feathers and the. I was like, dude, he's he's such a burlesque. I have to. Like, right. I have to do an acting. You're like, how can I do the sequins and the feathers, but just the sequins and the feathers? <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, no, like that. That like yeah, like that got me as wanting to be a performer i actually met him when i was 11 years old and i was like i want i yeah like you can only imagine that a man dressed in bright colors and sequins yeah and you want to be him right it's like it's amazing so yeah i i I really wanted like loving wrestling like loving him growing up i i as soon as i became a performer i'm like i have to do a macho man act (laughs) and it sounds like you guys are both into any kind of performing that you can do with one person you know what I mean? Like it's not like it, whether it's 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 boylesque or wrestling or rapping or freak show or whatever yeah. it is. Like it's just whatever you can do on a stage where you just need to bring yourself and you'll do it. I want a couple people, not yeah. a whole crew. Well, after running a twenty-person wrestling crew for ten years, it's nice to be able to call my friend Billy and the, that I rap with and a DJ and just like, cool. There's three of us. We can like go on tour and I don't have to deal with everybody and or like so many people. It's not hurting cats. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. The, at what point did you always want to be a promoter? Like, because you're no. kind of the guy, you know, the booker, the booker man. There was other people too. It was just like at the time of the Paul thing, I was kind of the one in charge. We all, we've all over the years, kind of like passed just the ball turns. around. Yeah, and some like you know, some guys take a break. I'm the only guy that like missed one show in ten years. So I was just kind of eventually like I stepped into the lead role for a while. Did it exist before you, the group? It, um. Or did no, you guys I was one of the original four. Bill came in a little later. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was in, one of the original four, four that like we all trained to do this match at this party, and then we met some other wrestlers there, and then we we started doing matches between girls at burlesque shows because uh, there was like four of us. So we each came up. That's how I came up with Ronald McFondle because I had a different character. I I was new. I just wanted to be like you know, crusty punk Undertaker character. I had yeah. So I like. So I was. We all were like, okay, there's four of us. We each have to come up with the heel so that we can our our face guy can win. Then you change into your heel and you go job to somebody, right. so we can fill the card because there was so few of us. And I was like, I hate talking on microphones. I want a heel character. What can I do? And I was like, everyone hates clowns. I'll just go out there as a clown. I won't say a word. Everyone will hate me. And then 
and you know, I did all the druggy jokes and drunk clown stuff, and our fan base was just so ridiculous that I turned into like the face of the, the company. biggest baby face <laughs> of yeah. Yeah. Seattle semi pro history. Yeah. I to this day still don't get it, but you know what? If they like it, cool. Yeah. yeah. And how does how does uh, uh, Van Glam go over? Uh, Eddie, Eddie, uh, it's actually very interesting because I, I started because Eddie started as a heel. Like mm-hmm. I wanted to be the like rich bratty kid kind of like million dollar man esque. well i was gonna say it seemed like when i was watching the movie i was like everybody kind of just threw outfits together whereas it seemed like you had spent a whole bunch of money on yours there was a lot of sequins a lot of it it looked new well eddie was an evolution (laughs) like i started off as like this uh kid in a group called handsome boy wrestling school okay (laughs) led by mr fitness and i was known as big time bill bates Uh and um I kind of had two identities. I had my wrestling persona, and then I had my burlesque persona. Uh-huh. And um, I took some time off, like uh, within a, a year period. And when I was coming back, I was like, you know, I've been a I've been a heel for like four years. You know, I, I think if I came back, I could get a face reaction. But at the same time, in terms of branding, I kind of want to like put the two together because trying to figure out if I'm Bill or I'm Eddie, I was just like, can I just be Eddie? And they were like, sure. So I came back as Eddie, and, like, I had the rhinestone outfits already. Yeah. And then I just got the wrestling well, gear to come back. chance gets a lady pop every Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the, like, seriously, uh, I tear away my, like, I just do this thing where I just tear away my pants, and I look over my shoulder, and, like, the moment the pants burst, like, they know it because I do it on a music cue. Yeah. And the moment, because I, essentially what I do is a burlesque act. Right. Because the, the last scene of the movie is him doing the, yeah. yeah right. We, we realize as filmmakers <laughs> that, uh. Anytime Bill takes off his pants, we had to put that in the movie. <laughs> it's a good story. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's, a it's good for the story. Yeah, it's a story. I'm actually wearing my wrestling yeah. gear underneath these pants. It's just the pants aren't tear away because of security. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. No makeup, no tear away pants. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, like, I actually got into burlesque because of this show, bur- because of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I quickly learned how wrestling and burlesque were almost went hand in hand. Like, you see you know, a wrestler come out, it's a tease, like them revealing their body. Which is an interesting thing, though, because I don't think most wrestling fans, especially male wrestling fans, would want to associate any sexuality whatsoever with wrestling. There's nothing yeah. sexual about wrestling. Yeah. Right. Whereas, not Right. Let's think of all the times you, put, hear the, you hear the girls scream when Cena takes his shirt off. Uh-huh. Or when, you know, it's like, come on. Like there's there's and then the dude's like no that's cool I don't know where you that's not but hot. and wrestling are so similar it's all expression it's, 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 it's uh, no waste no wasted movement facial expression there's like a lot of similarities the performance aspect of it it doesn't have the physicality of it but it has the performance thing the reveal the you know have you ever gotten straight up wrestling fans going to your shows like what the fuck is this this is not what I thought it was going to be we've had. I've never had any like maybe I mean maybe they just didn't come back. But almost <laughs> everyone we know that comes to our shows is like, holy shit! I'm never missing another one. Yeah. Right? Because well, and they did a great job of capturing the vibe in the room. Our shows are like an event. People come mm-hmm. and wait in line around the block, and they come in and then they like pound as many beers as they can before the show starts, and every table in the room is loaded with empty beer cans for ammo. Yeah. <laughs> and there's still like a half hour left before the show. It's like, oh, Yeah, man. we sell out. They, the bar kept buying more and more cases of Paps, and it was just gone. Like, by the time the show even started after an hour, the doors are open for an hour. So the bar's 35 cases of Paps. Tall boys, especially. Yeah. Yeah. The, bar, the bar loves us. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, so the bar must have been the one who was most pissed off when the banana <laughs> yeah. tried to shut the whole thing down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I think where we were performing at um, 
with the exception of one drag show, I think we were like the second biggest show that they had in their lineup. And Rebar is awesome. We've we've done all he like he does his burlesque shows there. I do my other McPondle stuff there. Yeah. We're really like we've become family with the Rebar. They just let us do what we want. How much of the how much performance is Seattle I've never been to Seattle. There's is, a is there a huge kind of performance there's kind of a underbelly really big, going like, on? Yeah, there's a big like underground theater scene there, like adult comedy theater stuff. Yeah. yeah. Seattle really has something for everybody if you know where to look. You know, there's burlesque, there's drag, there's comedy, there's music. You know, and it seems like there's and people wrestling. and wrestling. We also com- when we got shut down, uh, one of our announcers, Jake Stratton, start was like, we still wanted to do this thing, and we had a lot of our friends who are comics and stuff that wanted to be involved in wrestling but didn't want to do the training. Right. So he started uh, World Extreme Pencil Fighting Championships, uh-huh. where we come out in our costumes and everything, and like full-on like entrance theme song and then we get out there and we do pencil fights against each other like you smack back and forth until one the pencil well, yeah, like school but it's really fighting. just an yeah. excuse for all of our like us and our funny friends to get up on stage in costumes and riff yeah. off each other and do goofy shit like yeah that's the type of stuff you have in seattle is just these like absurd ideas that become super popular theater shows well, was also i was noticing not only i feel like in seattle there are a lot of people who will perform like this and and, and have this desire to perform there are people who appreciate it because most towns you could not get a regular audience for <laughs> no, this come stuff, out. especially no, for like out. pencil fighting and right, stuff. Right. They're like, "Yeah, this is great. It's a party." <laughs> That's the thing that drew yeah. us to this the movie is that when we went to see the show, because you know, talking about the movie and them, when we went up there, we're like, "This is an event." When you see a show, the and crowd I, is rabid. The, the crowd is rabid. Throwing They're rabid. There's love between both the fans and the audience. Yeah, for the fans and the and part of that is we in, in, like, intentionally include the crowd as much as we can in our stuff. Uh-huh. That's why it's called three to one battle because instead of getting a ring bell, we, we like the crowd chants three to one battle before every match and just little things like that. Throwing the beer cans. Yeah, they really feel like they're part of the show. Yeah, like we we, we try to include them as much as possible. Like the crowd is as much of part of the show as the performance. Are. So you've gone so far as to get a ring, but still no bell. No, no bell. <laughs> we're still, di- we're still di- very DIY. DIY. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So that we're keeps the you. audience included. Like getting to scream. I've had when we got shut down for a while. There, a lot of my friends came to me and were like. I feel like I need to go to a psychiatrist. Like, you guys were the way that I vented every <laughs> That was the I, release. Like, I screamed and threw shit, and then I was like, all my shit was gone for a few days. I was okay. I could just breathe. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I, I remember the first Wednesday after we got shut down, because we always did the first Wednesday of the month, and we were all, like, doing something. And then at one point, it, all of a sudden, each of our phones started blowing up, like, something feels really wrong. And then we all realized it's the first of the month and we don't have a show today. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and it was just like – and so we actually ended up that day, the first time it ever happened, we all like got together at the bar and we were just like – it was like, uh, you know, like the gathering after a funeral. Just like we all just kind of sat together and we were just like had our beers just – <laughs> just sitting there. What are you yeah. so happy about? <laughs> you want some chicken wings? <laughs> yes. Has anybody ever gotten injured at one of your shows? Nothing major. We've all had little, you know, whatever's, but nothing bumps like bumps and bruises. But nothing bumps and bruises. No, yeah. no surgeries or. And that's nothing crazy. that you could. Is that something that you could bring to the government officials and yeah. say, like, look, nobody's yeah, we, ever even gotten hurt doing this. No, well, that's the thing. The government officials are all on our page. It's just a matter of. The laws still regulate it that way, and they all laughed in the movie. Like, you yeah. saw them laughing when they're like, you mean wrestling's not real? And I'm like, on paper, you guys think it is. And they were like, so they realized, and they were like, okay, so we'll change that. But that takes time Yeah, how long all the bureaucratic channels. How long has it actually been since, because that's that's the movie becomes this sort of, it starts as this story of these kind of really fascinating people that are doing this thing in Seattle. 
And it becomes this Mr. Smith goes to Washington thing where, you know, they're going in. <laughs> Mr. McFondle goes to Washington. <laughs> Mr. McFondle. Uh-huh. He goes to, and, and, you know, you guys are actually uh, changing things. How long has it been since you guys first went to Seattle and, and went to the courthouse and, and, was, and started? Last February? Last yeah. February. Last February. So it's been about a year. A little yeah. over a year. Uh, we're close now. Like, we're co-authoring a bill with the Department of License. Like, I think, aren't you meeting them like next month? May 8th. We have our meeting where we're like, we're going to sit down and write out the, the wording for the, the bill and everything. And are you guys still filming everything just to figure out what happens next? For uh, We haven't thought of that yet, but, you know. Because, like, I know as somebody who watched the movie, yeah. like, now that I know that the fight's not even over yet, like, who knows what's <laughs> Happened. Body slam to electric boogaloo. <laughs> <I feel like>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where is where is uh, Paul the banana in all this? Is he now? Is he backed I off? Is I haven't he... seen him since the day he walked out. Yeah, there's Bill. Yeah, these no. guys are the only ones. Yeah, there, there was actually a lot of anxiety going in to watch the movie and knowing that we were going to see Paul again. He he, he didn't show up for the screening. He, he, he didn't show no, up. For he the had screen. a family. But, but we, we got okay. to, we for last time I saw him was back when he walked away mm-hmm. in his last match, and then we got the news that. He, was, he didn't even out. say anything to us then. He just, like, like grabbed just, his bag and left, and then yeah. we didn't so know. So did you he know was. he was pissed at you? No, we didn't know what was going on for the first month he, or yeah, so. He didn't, wow. he didn't tell Until us. he started blowing up on us online about, like, yeah, it's a rule. I don't lose. <laughs> so It's wrestling. You guys have <laughs> talked to him. Yeah. Now that he sees that this is kind of being fought, mm-hmm. does Paul the Banana have a desire to still, like, stop, you know, SSP from... from changing the law or is he kind of hands off he's i did moved what i on, did actually yeah. yeah he says he says he wishes them the best is he doing any wrestling at all no he he tried to do a small league yeah he he just uh yeah he wanted to see if he could still get out there and do it and he didn't need to prove anything else to anyone as he said to us right but i mean i think for paul he's actually i think if josh wins or not wins but with the department of licensing and the blue pills pass then i think he'll be thrilled because then he can watch wrestling because there'd be other wrestling Yeah, that's the thing. There's not even up. another. There's a, there's a couple smaller companies in it, but they'd have to do the shows on the reservation because then they don't have to. So there is the no indie scene. There's no so indie scene. Yeah, yeah. We actually had. I did a show like a legit show a couple weeks ago. Ezekiel Jackson and Crime Time came in, and like Ezekiel Jackson put on the um, the show. And like he came in and booked and promoted the whole thing himself as a benefit for a church. And I gave him the department licensing number, and he was like, "It's a church benefit, whatever." Then they okayed it. Because it was a church benefit, um, but that was the first big indie show that's happened in Seattle. That is in insane for for us in Spokane. So it was Yakima. Oh, Yakima, excuse yeah. me. But for an area that's so into performances of all kinds, for them not, I would think if it were easier, there'd be indies. That's a place be crawling I think with indies. Why, why SSP blew up so big was because there's, there's no like, wrestling. People, well, and people didn't realize that they like wrestling until they came to our weird theater show and were like, <laughs> "Holy shit, wrestling yeah. is cool." <laughs> yeah, we weren't what you saw on TV, and yet at the same time, like wrestling is such. And all like, people can like, see this. It, it's, it's Americana. Like, how do you not like it? Right. It's it's live theater. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's it's a live drama. Like, you 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 cannot not enjoy it. <laughs> is there any part of you that wants to either of you guys that that wants to move beyond what you're doing and, and and move on to a bigger group? Not me personally. I like doing the show with like the. The show with those guys, Big Rick and stuff, was fun. Mm-hmm. But I don't have any aspirations to, like, make a career out of it with WWE or anything. But yeah. some of the guys in our crew do, and yeah. some of them are good enough. Yeah, some of them are good enough um, that they can probably move on. Yeah. Um, we we've had got, we actually have a guy right now who uh, was out here in New York for a few years trying to do it, and then he had to move back. So, you know, and he's got the size. Like, he's 
Yeah, he's good. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, some of us are more theater people that do it for fun, and some of us are like legitimately trying to work their way up the indies. But for both of you guys, it's more like we're just looking for the next performance, and that's it. Well, and maybe five, ten years ago, I might have been more about it, but I'm older now, and I really, I have, I'm working my dream job besides my performing. I mean, I do right. lights for like, like last week I hung out with Immortal Technique and Talib Kweli all day and got wow. paid for it. So like, <laughs> I'm cool. Like, I don't need to go get beat up for a living. I'm almost 40 years old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and You're for, good. for me, if you know, if opportunity not you know i'll give it a shot i i you know i never really considered uh doing it like for me when i was 18 i wanted to you know really give it a go and my family did everything in their power to make sure i didn't do it and then so when i turned like seven years later when i found these when i found ssp it was just kind of like you know i have a chance of doing this just give it a shot and i found out i loved it um so you know i'm not opposed to it but at the same time um you know, I just got married. I'm enjoying being a husband right now. Mm-hmm. And, and his boylesque career is he's a big deal. He's being modest. He was at the Burlesque Hall of Fame performing for Boy, Mr. Boylesque last year. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, Where you, one, one, of, one of four guys in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, competing for uh, Best Boylesque at the Burlesque Hall of Fame last year. In America, you do? right? Uh, hmm? in, a, oh, in, a, in the Hall of America. Uh, no, no, in, 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 no at uh, the, right? the Orleans. But oh. yeah, the, the Burlesque Hall of Fame is an internationally. Uh, International competition so, to for to um, to uh, pay homage to uh, burlesque legends of yesteryear. So where do you rank in terms of like? Uh, are you one of well? Are you one of the best boylesque performers in the country? Four. Well, <laughs> right now, yeah, right. <laughs> you think about it, like I didn't win. Uh, the Mister Gorgeous of New York actually is uh, your uh, king of burlesque boylesque, I should say this. Well, year. with a name like Mister Gorgeous, yeah, he, he is a tall drink of yes. But you know, where I rank in terms of those four, I don't know. But top four, in my opinion, nothing wrong with. Silver, yeah, you know <laughs> that's pretty. That, that you're right. You were you're being modest about the whole thing. So yeah, he travels around the country doing his boy less stuff. Wow. So, so I mean, yeah, I'm actually very excited to be performing in New York. Yeah, I would imagine. And 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 you have the movie. Where can people see the movie if they're not New York based right now? Because obviously it's premiering in Tribeca. But yep. what are the plans? Tomorrow in terms we of- have a screening at six. Yep, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday. Uh, 6 p.m., and then beyond that, we're trying to get it out yeah, more. Fresh, and, yeah. Is that is that the goal, to bring it to Tribeca and try to get some distribution or yes, get it out is, on yeah. iTunes or whatever? We want to be, be able to show it everywhere. We want people to fall in love with these guys as we did. Yeah. I think they will. It's a really and, surprising story. So I yeah. think people really it really is. <laughs> and it's yeah. one of those things that, like, you can watch with your girlfriend or wife, and it's not – like, it's not sort of – wrestling centric it's not a wrestling right. movie it's just kind of wrestling is the backdrop yeah. that it's goes really along with all this yeah, it's it a is. character driven yeah. movie that just happens to have it just happen to be wrestling yeah right. and the fact that it's like true yes is the weirdest thing of all <laughs> <laughs> that everything I mean, mcfondle is in real life there yeah, in, McFondle real life. in the flesh in the flesh in the, in the flesh. well not he was the in the paint. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, guys, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for stopping by. Good luck with the movie. Um, is there a website or anything that people can go to? to- uh, yeah, we have bodyslamfilm.com. We have like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. It's Body Slam Revenge of the Banana on Facebook. <laughs> it's also bodyslamrevengeofthebanana.com. Body- if, if, yeah. if, if you Google Body Slam Revenge of the Banana, you're going to find it. We come up second behind, I think, some, you know. No, I'm just making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Ronald McFondle and Eddie Van Glam are both. We're both yeah. on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Yeah. And what if people want to see your shows? 
Uh, let's see here. I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to be actually here in New York uh, doing uh, Johnny Pork Pie's The Church of Titillation called Hostile Takeover <laughs> on May <laughs> 3rd. Of course, yeah. And it's a mostly boy last show. Mr. Gorgeous is going to be there. Whoa! The burlesque. Uh, oh. And I will be performing the Macho Man Act. All right. Well, I mean, that's reason enough. I mean, if you don't generally Sam, attend, what are you doing May 3rd? I'm saying, I'm, I like Macho Man. I like performance. <laughs> you got to see the testicle. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna lie. As as as, one uh, as uh, for male wrestling fans, <laughs> yeah. like, I have not met a male uh, audience member who has not liked the Macho Man act. He's just like I gotta move those. No, they were like, I, they were like, that was awesome. I I can do this. I'm like, you should do this. We need more men. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're here to advocate for the boylesque industry. <laughs> Thank, yeah. And no. Get some I, people out there. Um, yeah. Well, look up uh, everything you can about this movie, and if you can check it out, definitely check it out. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for having yeah, us. Thank you. Thank you. Here is Sam Roberts. There you have it. There it was. Body Slam Revenge of the Banana. If you, you Google it, find a way to see it because it's a really great movie. If you're a wrestling fan, if you're not a wrestling fan, it's the type of thing you can take your wife or girlfriend to and she or boyfriend or husband to if they're not wrestling fans and they'll still get a giant massive kick out of it. Uh, and the story is still going. I can't believe I was the first person to suggest to him that he do a sequel. Of course you should do a sequel. Well, all right. It's time, as I said, I'm going to announce the winner of the Miz contest on Twitter. If anybody's upset that I'm not announcing the winner of the contest on the podcast and you really want to get back at me, if you say, oh, that's Sam Roberts, I can't stand that dude, I want to make him feel pain, then go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts and buy a What's the Haps t-shirt. I hate it. Trust me. I don't like it at all. You'll drive me crazy. I was at Pro Wrestling Syndicate over the weekend, and I saw a fan with a What's the Haps t-shirt. Just boiled my blood. You can also get a Not Sam Mode t-shirt. You can get a uh, Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast t-shirt. All of them available at ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sam Roberts. Now, it's time to start the state of wrestling, so let's go. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. State of Wrestling time. It's back. Sorry, there was no State of Wrestling last week, but I've decided to make this week's State of Wrestling twice as good because with me, once again, my best wrestling friend, Katie Linendahl. Welcome, Katie. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah? It's a jam-packed wrestling week. Yeah, I mean, you sound so energetic. It sounds like you're doing fantastic. I'm mainlining caffeine. Yeah, well, you should be. usual. Yeah, what are you excited about? Well, we've had an epic week. Yeah, we have. It, from indies to pay-per-views. We were at Pro Wrestling Syndicate on Saturday. Which was fantastic, by the way. They, they always I, put on I a good I was overdue show. for a good indie show, and it, it, it fulfilled Pro Wrestling Syndicate is definitely one of the best indies in the country. I mean, there's, you know, there's WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor. And then, I mean, from what I've seen, especially regular, you know, like House of Hardcore is great. But they run almost quarterly at this point. Like every three or four months, there's a House of Hardcore show. show. Uh, you know, there, there's a few groups like that. But in terms of groups that run regularly, like every single month, as well as people that are on TV, Pro Wrestling Syndicate is, is very tough to beat. So I'm glad you finally got to see a PWS show. I Who was your favorite character? Oh, that was a tough one. Probably the uh, drunken swashbuckler. I think that Ronald McFondle would work no, that's, that's, in that's, PWS. I'm not going there. You don't think that's so? not my style. Right. It's not my brand. Okay. Um, and of course, being the the tech advocate I am, yes, 
I'd have to go with Starman. Starman is an indie sensation, no doubt That about was it. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, if any of you don't know what we're talking about, find PWS's YouTube page, and all the uh, TV shows are up there for anybody to see at any time. Then, on Sunday, we got to watch Extreme Rules on the Linendaltron, on the oh, Linentron. Oh, truth. I mean, Katie has this massive screen in her, in her place. It's like this big projector screen. It's true. But how big is it? It's 150 inches. 150 <laughs> inches. It's the biggest. I take pride in my technology, as you can imagine. It's literally a movie theater-sized screen. It's amazing. It's amazing. And uh, I was amazed, too, that we watched it, of course, on the WWE Network. And I think there was one lag. There was one lag. The whole time. But that thing was blown up onto a 150-inch screen, and it still looked like it was in HD. It was quality. It was really good. And they did a, they, they've been doing better and better as far as streams and picture quality. And, and I that, also so. worked on – so this pay-per-view, I had a select group of people over. Yeah. I remember in the past that I invited all of Twitter over to my apartment? Yeah, you did. I you, didn't do that this time. That was did. a really bad idea. <laughs> I think you said on a podcast. I tried to set my uh, a blast zone at you, my apartment. You turned Terrible your, idea. your home into a blast zone, which makes no sense whatsoever. No. no. Not good. No. Not a good look. But – now it's like, okay, that you're just inviting people you know. What did you think of Extreme Rules? I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. I, I thought – I was really confused by all these different rules. Well, I was glad that I was there because you, let's be honest, did not know the rules of a Russian chain match, I did not. Which I was like, come on. Isn't that like second nature at this point? You got to touch the corner post. I feel like there was no lead up to that. To the rules themselves? Yeah. With the Russian change match in itself. Well, I think the WWE is really good at coming up with these concepts because you could do the Russian chain match in a couple of different ways. And I think that they purposely leave it open. Like they come up with the concept in a very general way and then right before the show decide what the actual rules are. I thought the one thing, and I, I would love. I like how you were the Mike Pereira of like officiating these like explaining all the rules to me like i had to keep going to you for with questions right i was like here are the rules because i feel like and and i'm I'm sure most people were in your boat but most people are just like oh it's just a show i feel like without a set of rules we lose the integrity but the rules were broken dude that's what i was thinking i was going okay i had a problem i would love to have a referee on as the guest this week on the podcast, I, we should lobby for senior referee Earl Hebner, who's my favorite of all time. He's the, I mean, but he screwed Brett. I, hey, I mean, he's not exactly not go there. the ideal official. Let's not what make one thing ruin a legacy. Okay, you tell that to Brett. You tell that to Brett. It's fair. Who's not exactly a happy fair. camper because of Earl Hebner and the evil Mister McMahon. However, I'm sitting there going, okay. You're selling us – I was bothered by the Kiss My Arse match because you're selling us on this idea that the loser has to, has to kiss the winner's arse. And Dolph Ziggler's arse was never kissed by anyone as far as I know. I, I would even back it up one more and say I got, I got confused right out the gate when Harper and Ambrose just left. Well, that's a Chicago street fight so they could but, go on But it was just for an hour. Yeah, I don't know what they were doing. I don't doing. know. What, that doesn't I, necessarily fall under rules, per se. You know what the official confusion. You know what the official match time was? Three hours? It was 56 minutes and 10 seconds, <laughs> that match. 
because they, they left in the car. In eternity? And yeah, and then they were gone for two segments, and everybody forgot that they where existed. Do think, where do you think they went? That'd be a fun hashtag contest. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was kind of surprised that they didn't do any location stuff. That I would have thought that... Agreed. Oh, a camera crew just caught up with Agreed. with you know Harper and and uh, Ambrose, and they could be like wherever they could be in front of the Sears Tower, they could be in front of Harry Carey's restaurant there in Chicago. There's so many different spots in Chicago, and it's April. Like it's not like it's freezing cold. You know, you like you could have done some on location stuff. So I was a little surprised they didn't, but I like that they at least mixed it up by saying okay. I thought it was funny that they were like, well, I guess we're just going to continue on with the show then and we'll yeah, finish this match whenever we finish it. Um, but back to your point about the uh, – The rule's not being followed. Yeah. Yeah, so we, – We had a real problem with this. Well, so there was no kissing of the arse, which to me is like, okay, well, then I bought into the loser kissing the winner's arse. And there should be some kind of major repercussion for the fact that that didn't happen. Then I watched Raw last night or Monday night and – I didn't feel any better about the fact that the RKO had been used twice, twice in a match where the RKO was banned. But we were never clear if the RKO was banned just for Orton. Yeah, and that's, that's again the confusion. But they did that on purpose just to leave it open, and I don't like that. They said the RKO was banned, so it's like I don't like all this stuff up in the air. Like, we need to now, okay, Rollins needs, there needs to be ramifications. 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 Like, you can't just say, okay, we were leading up to this pay-per-view match. Oh, the rules that we set in this all-stipulation show were not followed, but we're just going to kind of ignore them. Right. You know what I mean? Like, why why go to the trouble of banning the RKO then? Or why not just say Randy Orton can't use it? Like, it's not a twist if... You can't call it a twist if Rollins did stuff that we thought he wasn't allowed to do. That's not a twist. That's not like, oh, but you didn't think of this. That's No, the reason I didn't think of it was because you said it was banned. Right. Like, you didn't get pull, pull one over on me. You just did something that you said you weren't going to. That's like the Seamus Ziggler finish. It was like, it's not that I didn't expect Seamus to not kiss his arse if he lost. But it was in the stipulation that he had to kiss his arse. What are the ramifications here? What are the ramifications? If it's the NBA, if it's the NFL, you've got fines. Yep. You've got penalties, possibly game suspensions. I think we need to bring in some replacement refs. Yeah. Like, what is that? What are these referees doing? Oh, I don't know. Why would that referee in that title match not call for that bell? Two RKOs. Even the first one. He's like, okay, well, technically Randy Orton RKO'd Kane. Kane's not technically. Oh, Rollins just RKO'd Randy Orton. If your referees do not have a solid grasp on what the rules are before they go into that match, what are we watching? Agree. You know, what's your job then? Is, do you just have to fit the shirt? Because as far as I know, I was sitting there on the linen doll couch yep. explaining to you exactly what the rules were for every match. And if I knew what the rules were... What excuse does these, do these referees have for not knowing the rules? Well, and if there was confusion in the room, too, that, that doesn't mean that we were just confused. No, there was a lot of confusion. I think we speak for the people. But you know who should never be confused? WWE officials. Right. That's why they're official. Right. You know, they've got pinstripes. I think we need replacement refs. It's the only possible scenario. And maybe not all of them. Maybe Mike Kyoto can stay. He's been there forever. And instead of saying two with two fingers, he puts up the horns. 
Right. So yeah, I don't have a problem with him. I don't think he main event. He refereed those matches, but yeah, I was I was, I, I was I was left feeling less than full because I felt like we didn't live up to the story. Like the story is we have to do this without doing that, and the fact that you did that takes away from the whole thing. That's the whole reason for a stipulation. It's a little bit of a tangent, but I've been thinking about Extreme Rules. And I feel like, for me, the biggest void in not – for it not being a home run, you think about the loss of Lesnar in, in pay-per-views. It's, it, that is well, the void for me. Obviously, yeah. we're not going to see him in probably a payback or in Extreme Rules, but I, I feel like it's such a loss. It is weird. It's such an excitement buster. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a finishing move right there. <laughs> the, the excitement buster. buster. It's horrible. Because you're gonna come to the it's ring horrible. excited, and I'm gonna bust it up. You're not gonna be excited after you meet <laughs> so me. So bad. Yeah. So bad. You're definitely you're right about that because especially coming you, off you lose Heyman, right. you lose. Yeah, and we haven't had Heyman at yeah. all. Coming off of, I think it's also because there's no Brock Lesnar in sight. Like I would assume, as a fan who's watched for a long time. I would assume Brock Lesnar will be back for SummerSlam. Agreed, 100%. But the fact that there's not something built for him, meaning we knew he was on his way back when he was the champion. He was just kind of the essence of Brock was always around. You know, okay, it's coming, it's coming. Right now, Brock is totally off TV, totally off storyline. So when we go from a solid three months, even though he wasn't at Fastlane, it was still like he did that amazing match at the Royal Rumble. Then from Royal Rumble to Fastlane, Fastlane to WrestleMania, he was absolutely part of the storyline. So his, 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 his essence is always there. Then WrestleMania comes, and, you know, he's got this spectacular match. The night after WrestleMania, he's got a, the most, one of the most amazing segments of the year, destroying the commentary table. And then after that, he's just off TV. And so you are kind of left with a, a bit a of void. a void. It's a void. Yeah. Which is only going to make it better when he comes back. But in the meantime, there is, a, there is a thing. And you know who could have filled that? Maybe. I think it was also because Bray Wyatt hasn't been the wrestling. The New Day? The New Day could have filled it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the New Day could. No, I don't think the New Day did it. <laughs> I don't know if the New Day. Look, they got their thing. I don't know if they're Lesnar. Yet. 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 They're young. Be careful. Right. Yet. Right. Yet. I'm on record as saying yet. Um, I think Wyatt. Being off TV oh. is also something to consider. The fact that he, I mean, not off TV because he's been cutting those amazing promos, but just that last night or Monday night was the first time we even saw him in an arena since, since WrestleMania. He's only been on the big, like he took the week off and then he's only been on the big screen cutting these promos that we just found out is about Ryback, which is kind of like, I don't know if all those promos described Ryback. Kind of. Right. I'm interested to find out if they're actually going to acknowledge the Bo Dallas Bray Wyatt connection. Oh, I would love that. Now, Bo Dallas tweeted something last night cuz obviously on Monday night Ryback and Bo Dallas were in the ring and that's when Bray Wyatt made his presence known and took out Ryback and it became clear that these promos that he's been talking about as being the face of fear, he's been uh threatening Ryback. So Ryback is the guy on his radar. But the fact that he defended Bo Dallas, his real-life brother, obviously, from Ryback. And it's got me thinking that uh, uh, this week Bo sent out a tweet after Raw that said something to the effect of, Ryback, you should have Bo-leaved. 
which almost implies like I knew he was coming. If you had believed he wouldn't have come, which almost implies, and I read into things, which almost implies the idea that, of course, Bray Wyatt's going to come. He's my brother. Well, then, if, if, if all was right with the world, right. we could have a triple threat match and, and the tax man would be back, too. And, or, or, or a sick triple threat tri- uh, three-man tag. Six-man tag. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, would you like to see – well, would you, would you want to see IRS <laughs> as a manager? Do you think he's ready to step back in the Oh, he's circle? ready to be back in the ring. We saw <laughs> yes. him at WrestleMania. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, it's my favorite wrestler of all time. Yeah, if you were – I don't know. We talked about it on the SiriusXM show. I think we also talked about it on the podcast that you – had to get an inhaler when I, you saw I him. I did yeah. have an encounter with IRS in the elevator, yeah. which led to um, me going up to my hotel room to get an inhaler. I literally almost had to carry her in an unconscious state. This is a true story. Yeah. But that was a digression. Sorry. No, no. don't. No, but I, I you, also, think, you I, think he's ready to wrestle? Yes, I manage. do. Absolutely. Okay. And right. it's tax season. He's more prepared than ever. All right. You're right. Uh, I, I would like to say, too, State of Wrestling, that Neville's getting a big push right now, too. Huge. And one thing that I really like is... The kind of NXT community has been pushing hardcore for him. Like, the, the support and the camaraderie is, I don't think it's anything, I mean. You mean with the fans? No, with the roster. The NXT roster. It's oh, you mean the tweets that go out. The tweets that are going out on from all sides mm-hmm. to support him. But I think, you know, just getting that push in the pre-show. Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't even know if you saw. I think I, he's getting a push fast. And it seems, yeah, it does seem like there's camaraderie. I think Finn Balor tweeted something with like a group of them together i don't know if you saw that but like just the idea that that the nxt guys are supporting each other it's like it's pretty huge because you don't really get that from the main roster right also i mean since wrestlemania is when i really first noticed it these audiences are going crazy for nxt crazy like the raw after wrestlemania it was the ascension versus uh lucha dragons and the whole crowd was chanting nxt now i mean when adrian neville is wrestling. Who, by the way, I accidentally called Aaron Neville. Well, that's a different guy. Yeah, that was... He's got a big mole. That was a different... That was a whole other story. That was a whole other thing. Right. But when Adrian Neville is wrestling, the crowd's chanting NXT. Huge. The craziest thing I saw was when we were at WrestleMania. 75,000 people in this, in this stadium. And Hideo Itami comes out for the Battle Royal. And people are chanting NXT. So many people that it's audible in a 75,000-seat stadium. Well, and we talked about that, too, from the, the NXT event at San Jose was just insane. Insane. I also find it very interesting that the NXT roster and a lot of their interviews will say, when they say, hey, are you in competition with, what is the status of you moving up? Or what, or what are you thinking moving forward? And they're saying, we are the main roster. We consider ourselves yeah. the next big thing. That's a bold statement to be making. Well, you have to... It's it's become such a delicate game because forever, developmental was developmental, meaning the only reason you were in developmental was to get called up. Now, NXT has become, as I told, I mean, I told you months ago, my favorite wrestling show of the week, and such a quality place to learn, to work, to for people to work with that the credibility that you gain from being a main star on NXT can be worth more than a trip to the main roster. Like you have to imagine, okay, Adrian Neville is getting a push right now on the main roster and he had a great showing against Barrett at the pay-per-view and he was part of the King of the Ring tournament on Raw. And so he's definitely, he's got an entrance, he's got all this stuff going on and they're giving him time and they're giving him his spots to really show off. He's really being showcased well. But is he going to get 
to the main event scene anytime soon. I don't think so. I disagree. You think he'll be a main event guy soon? Main event? Main I think event. Maybe a, no, no, not right. main event, right. but I say two down. Like, who do you see him working with? Dude, to put him against Barrett in a pre-show, that's huge. not a bad card. But we've also seen people get the big push at first, and then they kind of run no, out of I things to do with them. Uh-uh. I, I really, I think he's so over with the crowd, too. The only uh, thought I had in my head is pushing him, and I don't think this is going to happen, mm-hmm. is pushing him rain style in the sense that people are like, well, screw that. Oh, yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening. Here's the thing. He's not that tall. And there's he's always... the best high flyer, one of the best high flyers right now. He's the and best. And I feel like that's what it sets I mean, he's definitely, for me. He's definitely the best on the roster. Like, he's the best high flyer in WWE, for sure. Well, that's debatable. Who's better? Nobody's... Well, well, like, I know this, is, this isn't this is a fair statement, but, I mean, you're going to put Luchas against... For high flying? Adrian Neville's better than the Luchas. Callisto is amazing. You're, really? Adrian Neville's better. Adrian Neville, if you watch this guy... Maybe, maybe in terms of size. If you watch Adrian Neville, the control over his body that he has... I mean... Moves that are being done to him look different than when they're being done to other people because he's got so much control over how his body moves it's even incredible. when it's in midair. I think he's a better high flyer than And Kalisto. I can tell you firsthand. I mean, I attempt the red arrow off my couch. Yeah, I know. I took a photo. Monday. You were unconscious. It's at the really hard, guys. It's really hard. Next to impossible. I'm very athletic, I would like to say. It's very hard. Yeah, but Katie, this is what people don't know about you. Gravity is fully aware of you. <sighs> Adrian Neville is the man that Gravity forgot. It's true. But I would also put Balor, uh, Atami. As a high flyer? High flyers. In their own regard. Yeah, but not in like. In their own regard. Not like Neville. Like, like Balor can stomp on somebody real good from the top rope, but he's not doing 150 flips before he gets there. And Adrian Neville, I counted. It's 150 flips in midair. When he 150? goes 150, wow. that's right. Wow. It's 700,000 degrees. Wow. Yeah, it's not that's, a joke. That's like a new record. He's incredible. He's incredible. But all this talk about NXT brings me to what I wanted to talk about today, beyond what we've been talking about, which is the network. Now, I think, and this is what people, like, this is what shareholders and, and mainstream media industry people will never really grasp. People in who understand wrestling can grasp it, but people outside of wrestling can't. The fact that the guys from NXT are huge stars, the fact that the guys from NXT, there's a Tyler Breeze action figure coming out. There's going to be a Tyler Breeze action figure in Toys R Us, okay? That's how big the, the T-shirts Prince are selling. Man. Yeah. It's huge. The fact that the NXT guys are so successful is a complete mark on how successful the network is because NXT is the brand of the network. It's the only place you're watching NXT. And so the fact that they have managed to create something with such a loyal following that's only programmed on the WWE network is massive. It's mind-blowing. It shouldn't happen. Well, and in, in, for those of you who don't know that I, my role is actually technology. I work over at the Today Show and a, and a few other places, which is an awesome place to be. I've been covering tech my whole life. And I think Although she is, didn't know about Yelp until a couple of weeks ago. That is not true. Dean Ambrose introduced her to That it. is not true. And actually, back me up on this. So we were asking at Mania on WrestleMania yeah. Row, yeah. quick digression, yeah. what people's favorite apps were. And Dean Ambrose and was it Stardust? Stardust. They, they told me about Yelp. But Dean Ambrose started explaining so Yelp, per- yeah, yeah as like, if it was new. They were like, check this out. Yeah. 
Yelp. <laughs> you could be like anywhere and you can find a restaurant. Like, thank you for that update. Like, that's like four years old. <laughs> that's five years old. <laughs> um, anyways, I think it's amazing to have like in the conversation of like the cord cutters. If you can now have this network, yeah. it's highly successful. What yeah. are we at? 1.4? 1.3? 1.3 right now, yeah. Subscribers. And then have custom programming that's actually working and adding more programming. This is a lesson to be learned by other networks. Yeah, I think that the key, like where Netflix, for instance, has been very successful is... Original programming. And and it's programming that people talk about. Like when you watch, and Amazon too, when you watch those like Golden Globes and the award shows and stuff like that, people are talking about Transparent. People are talking about Orange is the New Black. Right. People are talking about House of Cards. And it becomes one of those things that culturally you're missing out if you haven't seen it. Like, uh, that, like that, just to be in the conversation yep. of what's going on, you have to see these things, which means you have to subscribe. And that's what WWE Network needs to be super focused on is not only being a place where you've got everything archived so wrestling fans can be in, you know, wrestling fan paradise, but to have stuff that fans are going to be talking about. That New you, content. That if you're watching Raw, you have to – I think every week when Katie watches Raw, Katie should have some moment of if I don't have the network, I'm missing something. Like, oh, that happened on the – I, I got to subscribe. I don't want to miss that again. I agree. Because even if you don't watch – like, there should be stuff happening on the pre-show every week that they recap on Raw and not the other way around. Because then people are like, oh, I really got to start watching this pre-show. I better subscribe to the network. Where they're doing really well is this King of the Ring thing. The King of the Ring thing is perfect because we spend now – what happens is it's, it's, it's programming and it's quality content, but – the first round of the King of the Ring tournament is on Raw. And then they say throughout the night... That's the hook, too. Right. They say throughout the night, the second round and the third round are both going to be on WWE Network the next night. So what you've got is, through a series of four matches, one long commercial for the network. That's all it is. It's just a commercial. Right. If you don't subscribe to the network, you're missing something. Everybody's going to find out who the King of the Ring is before you. And that's what they need to do. That's what's going to hook people. That's why those, I think those Stone Cold interviews were so important. I agree. And that was one moment where I actually, obviously as a big fan, felt like I, I had to tune in afterwards. Right. I, I'm, I feel like, to your point, I'm missing that moment where I'm like, oh, I'm going to miss something if I don't turn on the network. Yes. Yes. I've, I, like, I like the more the add of more content. I, I need the hook that, the, the fear of missing out. Yeah. It's so important. You got to be FOMO about this thing. Got to be FOMO. It's got to, you got to be sitting there going like, if I, I'm missing something if I don't have this. That's why it goes beyond just having cool stuff. You know, it, it, it's got to be like, I need to have this. I need, like, like, like there's something compelling. Like when, when Rusev won the U.S. title on the network. Perfect. But that stuff needs to be happening all the time. Agree. Like that's what, that's, that's the, the one thing, you know, to know. Tough Enough reruns are on there. To know Rock and Wrestling is on there. To know Primetime Wrestling is on there. All that stuff is cool, but that's the stuff that, like, when you're bored on a Sunday afternoon, you scroll through and it's kind of fun. We need the in-the-know factor. Right. It's like, this is immediate. And that's why I think uh, I think the King of the Ring thing is really good. The Jerry Springer thing, I put more in that cool category. It's like, okay, I, maybe I'll watch the Jerry Springer show, but it, I don't have to. Um I think the Mick Foley thing is good. That's good. Because I think a lot of people are curious. Well, that falls into the exclusive bucket. Right. I think a lot of people are curious. Like, you were asking me questions about it. Yeah. A lot of people, because everybody knows that kind of Mick Foley does this weird comedy thing. Well, I was surprised it was an hour, right. too. Right. It's a full it's crazy. special. But, a lot, yeah, and people are curious. Like, what does he do? Well, perfect. 
It's on the network. You can watch it. Oh, I got to get the network so I can see what he does. Um, and stuff like that. Like, I think the documentaries are good, but, but I think, like, the King of the Ring thing and, and just stuff where if you didn't see it, you missed it. You got to watch this thing. It's like, that's the clutch stuff. And, and, and I feel like there should be a real push to have moments like that happening on the network as frequently as possible. Just a reminder, because just going on TV and saying, hey, the network's great, it's $9.99, that'll get some people. But if you can go on TV and say, look what happened on the network last night, look what happened on the network before Raw, look what happened after Raw, then it's like, okay, I've got to be there. In what you're missing. And yeah. let's not negate the fact that having a pay-per-view. I mean, I used to put, spend $75 a, a right. pay-per-view on that. Right. That's a huge value. Huge value. But I agree. Yeah. And, 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 and having NXT there is a huge thing. Like, like having this feeling where if you're a wrestling fan, you have to watch NXT. That's starting to really – if you're a hardcore wrestling fan, the feeling is that you kind of have to watch NXT. Even if you're one of these people that doesn't like WWE because it's mainstream or whatever, everybody likes NXT. So that's one of those things that's perfect, perfect. You have to subscribe to the network and watch this amazing live special. Watch this TV show. Watch this blah, blah, blah. That's perfect. I think I, I, I feel really strongly about the network. I think it's really moving in a very good direction. I think they're really starting to get a grip on it. And I think the slow ramp is actually better. Better. Yeah, me too. Agreed. Me too. I, think, I feel like they're, they're starting to – technologically, you think this is where networks are going? It, it could set a precedent, very much so. I feel like it is. It's also, like, super expensive to keep a network live all the time like that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I think we're uh, we're running short on time. I did want to talk about um, – I don't know. Maybe we talk about it real quick. Like, the idea – well, here's what we should talk about real quick. This was probably the biggest story outside of WWE and all of wrestling, that Billy Corgan <laughs> from the Smashing Pumpkins so – Former guest, by the way, on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Go back and find that. It's also on YouTube. Is the new, like, one of the head of creative for TNA. It was a great press move for them because Billboard Magazine, Variety, all these publications wrote about it, which is huge. TNA doesn't have that kind of press ever. Uh, But it is – I am curious to see how much exactly he can bring to this company because Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff – coming to TNA were huge in terms of publicity. But as it turns out, they were not the creative visionaries that TNA really needed. We, what's the follow-through? Million-dollar question on that. What's the follow-through? You got Billy Corrigan, who, by the way, is I, a— I actually, is a, so from your interview, right. I didn't know he was that big of a wrestling fan. Huge. Wow. Huge. Like he's got Learned a, something new every day. Yeah, he's got a good mind for wrestling. I mean, is he a TNA fan? Is he an all-around he says he fan? Is. He says he's a TNA fan. But— well, of course he's going to say that. Exactly. Have you spoken to him about that? I have not since all this happened. Like a lifer fan. He's a, a, a wrestling fan wow. for life. Yeah. Wow, that's he's, great. He's a huge wrestling fan and has a really sharp wrestling brain. Um, but you're dealing with, okay, if you're TNA, your competition's WWE. You have to just say that. In WWE, you're dealing with not just one guy, but a team of guys who 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Rewrite, 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 just eat, sleep, repeat, live, breathe, <laughs> WWE. Like the, the, the head honchos at WWE, the creative people, they live under that umbrella. And Billy Corgan says it's a full-time job for him, but he's also going to be on tour with Marilyn Manson. 
He's also going to be working on the next Smashing Pumpkins album. So is he just the face of a, of the creative director? Maybe. I mean, I mean, TNA's business model is totally different. I think TNA seems like they're more. It's just always TNA's always amazed me at the the, the name talent that they continue to have. Yeah, and yet. And we've had this conversation many times. Yeah. It just – it never has peaked. Yeah, and maybe that's where Billy Corgan will come in. The creative is not there. Like there is no – that thing that I was talking about with the network, I have to watch this. If I, do, if I miss impact, I'm missing something. It's like they put on good shows. They're decent shows. Sure. But there's not a thing where there's this sort of vibe What's in the missing? room. I, I mean it's compelling stories. Storylines, period. Compelling stories and knowing like – I have got to see this. This I have to see it. That's just the way it is. It's 2015. There's so much entertainment out there that in order to really grab somebody, it's I have to see it. That's why people every all week people have been like, oh, what are Sam and Katie going to talk about? I have to find out here, what Sam and Katie are going to talk about. It still doesn't make sense to me because like at, coming off that PWS show, which mm-hmm. was so fantastic, mm-hmm. by the way, and just their, their characters and even their storylines, like I already want to go back. Well, there's also why do you that's not a great ha- what's point. that void in that you're feeling from TNA when you know all these stars? That's a great point. Um, what's I, missing? Well, part of it is that you know all these stars, so you don't get a sense of company or branding that you did. Like when you went to see PWS, the people that you mentioned, your drunken swashbuckler, your star man, all these bizarre characters are PWS originals. So they come together to form this thing that you're only getting at PWS, that you associate with PWS, and the sense of brand and loyalty starts to get established inside you. And same thing Maybe WWE it's something does. fresh, something new that it's it, that's not something fresh and new? There has to be – in TNA, they have to have a roster like, – like the guy – the names that we know, the MVPs, who's amazing, the Hardy Boys, all these names that we Angle. know, Angle, Lashley even – have to be icing on the cake, not the foundation. The foundation has to be – they need to build some stars. New ones. That we don't know. And then I'll say, no, you got to watch TNA because they got so-and-so. WWE consistently builds stars. Seth Rollins is now a star. Roman Reigns is a star, for better or worse. Randy Orton is a star. All these guys are stars, and all of them, they had careers. Seth Rollins was Tyler Black, and he was huge in Ring of Honor. But nothing compared to Seth Rollins. Seth right. Rollins is a household name almost because WWE created that star because the promotional machine – because it's a 24-hour-a-day thing. And that's what happens when you work all the time at a common goal is things get done on that level. TNA is more of a TV show than a wrestling company in the sense that they don't do house shows. Right. They knock out like a month and a half of TV in one shot. So they're doing like you know one or two shows a month. And, you know, it becomes difficult to get a real grassroots thing going. So how does Billy Corgan fix this? He's got to find creative ways to build new stars. He's got to see talent. He's got to figure out how to package the talent. He's got to figure out how to take that package, make it relatable. What an uphill battle. Yeah, it's really tough. It's really tough. It's doable because people have done it, but it's really difficult. You think he can do it? I don't know how much power he really has That's on other, paper. Yeah, you wonder. Paul Heyman at one point was, take, was going to take over TNA. Oh, my gosh. That, there's the man I'd put in charge of that. But his thing was he came to them and said, I need full, full, full creative control. Because he's smart. Yeah, meaning you have zero. 
Like, I do whatever I want. Right. And his plan was— They should have taken that and run. He said, first and foremost, I want to fire every established name except one. Like, I'll pick—we'll keep Kurt Angle, fire every other established name, and use Kurt Angle to build the roster that we don't know. And that was his plan going in. And TNA was like, you can't – those are all our marketable guys. Like, those are the ones that sell merch and tickets and stuff. You can't do that. And he goes, well, deal's off then. Heyman, man. Heyman. Heyman. That blasted Heyman. Well, Katie Linendahl, thank you for being here. Yeah. Um, people can get you on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, at Katie Linendahl. That's true story. Uh, you can get me at Not Sam everywhere. And uh, Should we wrap it up with a giveaway? You think so? I do. You love the giveaways. If there's two things in life I love, uh-huh. it's prizes and carbs. Oh, my God. I love both those things, too. Who doesn't? Let's get some bread in here while we're giving stuff away. <laughs> what do you want to give away? We're going to give away one of those new Suplex City t-shirts. Oh, boy. Because I just bought about five for myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what's the hashtag? We're going to determine that right now. Right. So... You're, if you want to win a Suplex City shirt. Which they're pretty sweet, peeps. If you want to win a Suplex City shirt, hashtag pretty sweet peeps. No, that's not cool. You don't that's think not so? Cool. No, we can do better than that. Well, what do you think? Um, what were you talking about today? The network. Aaron Neville. Aaron <laughs> What if we hashtag Aaron not... We were also talking about how where Luke Harper and, and Dean Ambrose disappeared. We were talking about the Russian chain match. We were talking about Billy Corgan. Oh, um... Look at this. It's a comprehensive wrap-up. Yeah, you did. You were taking notes. Uh, referee... So what oh, about referees? Oh, oh. That was probably the... Re- replacement refs. Hashtag replacement refs. We should do who you who we think that should the, your replacement okay. ref choice should be. Perfect. You tweet at not Sam and at Katie Linendahl. Yes. Tell us... Who you think should be the new head official for WWE and hashtag replacement ref. Yes. Yes. Okay. Hashtag replacement ref at Katie Linendahl at not Sam and tell us who you think the replacement ref should be. One person. One. No, we'll do two. Two Two people. people. (laughs) Two are going to get some Suplex City t-shirts. And some carbs. And some carbs. No, no, we're not sending food because we don't want a lawsuit. No cease and desist. Right. Just the Suplex City shirt. Just the Suplex City shirt. And maybe we'll throw in like $3 and you can go buy yourself a muffin. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, thank you so much for being here. You're a joy. Good talk. Chowski. Chowski. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast.